You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's the Cooligans, stupid. All right, back on the Cooligans, baby. Uh, no Christian here. You see me in a box, so you know what that is. Uh, Christian is still changing diapers, which, again, I told him I'm more than happy to poop in my pants if he wants to do it here, uh, but he refuses. <laughs> uh, but he is uh, he is obviously taking care of little Mateo Aiden Polanco now. He is a dad. I, I think I've given him enough training on how to do that. Uh, I put my pants once in Dallas. We've talked about it on the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a rough, rough night. Uh, but uh, I, I, I'm going to need we, an we explanation. A, I'm sorry. Say that what, again. What, what happened in Dallas? Oh, it was, you know, Christian. I allowed Christian to pick a restaurant uh, at random. He goes, this place looks good. It was on the side of a highway. Uh, and I got the uh, shrimp tacos. And uh, those things do not mix. Dallas, shrimp, and highway uh, don't mix. The voice you're hearing is one only. We call him Witty. Chris Whittingham, everybody. What's up? What's up? And and I, I feel like if you go and get Mexican food, I feel like the inclination is always go to a hole-in-the-wall kind of place because that's where they authentically do it. But as, as evidenced by your story, it seems like that can also go wrong. Yeah, that is, uh, that's not always the best, uh, I'll tell you that. And I, I know that from me thinking I had to fart at 3 a.m. Uh, <laughs> that's Dallas. always where it starts. That's always and where it starts. By the way, Christian was seated closer to the uh, – was, 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 this is when we had no money and we had to share a room. He was sleeping closer to the bathroom. So I had to run past him with, uh, let's just say, my own delivery. All right. Uh, <laughs> but, yes, Christian is at home taking care of the baby. Listen, Chris, we called you in. Witty, Chris, what do you prefer? Witty is fine. Go for it. All right, Witty, we, we called you in because you're now officially working for, in a much greater way, because you were before, but for Inner Miami. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so with, uh, with Inner Miami, I'm doing a, a weekly show with Kieran Gibbs, who uh, just retired, the former Arsenal player, and obviously former, a former Inter Miami player as well, and uh, West Bromwich Albion. And, uh, yeah, so we're doing that every week. And then, obviously, as part of the uh, Apple TV coverage, I'm uh, traveling all over the country doing a game every week. My game this upcoming weekend is actually one I'm really excited about. I'm doing Cincinnati home with Philadelphia Union, who I'm Ooh. actually also doing uh, for the CONCACAF Champions League world feed. So I'll have them in their next two matches. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's a, a pair of organizations that have a ton of – uh, obviously cross-promotion and cross-pollination with everything that's gone on uh, with hiring a coach and a GM from another team. And so there's a lot of influences uh, in Cincinnati from the Philadelphia Union organization. So, uh, yeah, just traveling all over, working with Inner Miami, and uh, hanging out with you guys. That's so dope. Well, congratulations. Obviously, we'll miss you here on the Metal Arc family, but uh, we'll at least get to hear, hear you a lot and see you a lot uh, in all your MLS coverage. Uh, speaking of MLS... Just a general uh, sort of, you know, overview. I haven't talked to you about this. The first six weeks have been kind of good, right? Like, it looks good on screen. You know what I mean? It's like a really sharp, probably the sharpest looking league. I think that's broadcast, you know, just really sharp. Apple TV doing a great job with it. Some of the Apple TV product, I think, is getting better. You know, I'll say that. I'll be respectful. I think it's getting better. I think it's had some hiccups um, as you go along. Uh, but what have you thought so far? Have you enjoyed some of the Apple TV coverage? Absolutely. I mean, well, first off, I, I hope you're watching all the games that I'm on. Uh, <laughs> but, but secondarily, no, I, it's, it's been tremendous just from like a behind-the-scenes, watching-how-it-all-works standpoint. Um, there's been a lot of like people working with each other, which was something that I was kind of concerned about. I've never really been a part of like a network's coverage, as it were. And so I was kind of expecting a lot of fiefdoms, a lot of like, hey – I know my team, but I'm not going to tell you my private information because it's my own personal advantage on the rest of the group. But no, everyone's been super collaborative and have had uh, a lot of great experiences. In terms of the coverage itself, to me, MLS 360, I've seen some things about it. I'll be honest, I don't have a ton of time to watch it because all the games are on at the same time. The only time that I've genuinely had time to sit down and watch it was when I was in San Jose. And that's the late game. And so from 4.30 Pacific, you can start watching all the games on MLS 360. And I just love that so much as a concept that, I mean, people can have their quibbles, whatever. 
when you're just sort of, particularly at the end of the 7:30 games, which seems to be the most kind of voluminous window, because you have you know seven 7:30 games, the 8:30 games are just kicking off, and so it feels like there's a, a bit of action to go to every second. It's such a great idea, and like you said, in terms of the coverage, like watching back highlights, it's wild when you compare this year to last year. There's it's some so different. Like there's some stadiums when you watch a game last year, you go, "Is this even being shot in HD?" Like how, yes. like it, it feels like this is being shot in 2007 and it's remarkable how much clearer everything is. I remember the first day you, you put on your first game and you go, whoa, is this what every game is going to look yeah. like? Is this, is this in 4k? Is this in 8k? What is this? Remember those preseason games where I'm like, yo, my TV might be too, too sharp, bro. <laughs> this isn't what soccer is supposed to look like. Right. You know, right. it's supposed to be like, there's a left back that's on the top left corner of the screen. I have no idea who that is. Yeah. It's, I think like the. It's it's got to not be easy to build that all out in such quick thing. And MLS 360, I, look, they got away from the butt shots, right? Like no one's staring at the screen <laughs> with their backs to the camera anymore. So that's good. That's dope. But it, the concept, it's like, yo, we got our own red zone. And the reason I brought this up is because obviously you follow some European leagues. I've been having conversations with people in Europe, and a lot of them are like, you know, there's talks that Premier League might shift over to an OTT like this. You know, uh, look, I know they're in conversations now or how come they get every game and in the same app and they don't have to jump around even as much as I love NBC. It's it's kind of a pain to figure out. Is it on Peacock? Is it on NBC? Where where am I watching it? You know, they should. I always said they should all be on Peacock and then you hit the button and if you, you click on the game, it'll open up the other app for you. So you don't have to go hunting it down and possibly miss the first kick. So there's a lot of talks of it kind of being like the future of sports. It feels like it. Yeah. I, I mean, not even just in soccer. I think in other sports, too, um, this local model where you only broadcast to a local area seems very obsolete. And I think a lot of these local channels um, that are dying off at the moment are kind of opening up a model to where other teams can basically steal this idea. You're 100% right. I think when you look at like the Premier League, I remember being stunned the first time I learned about the local blackout where if you go to the UK... The 3 o'clock matches. The 3 o'clock games, you can't so watch stupid. them. So stupid. Right. And so I think uh, I think uh, the championship and the what they call the EFL are investigating a model where every game can be available to stream for a fee. But like it, it's, it's so surprising that the inaccessibility of top leagues in the countries that they're played in, it's multiple streaming services, multiple subscriptions, whereas, you know, if you're an MLS fan, you got to buy one thing, and you can watch everything. It's it's such a step forward, and the picture quality, all that stuff, um, I think it's absolutely setting a model that other countries are going to copy. The thing is, is, like, where's the money? You mentioned, like, the, the NBC Premier League thing. They're still trying to get money from cable because cable money is still a real thing, and they're trying to get the streaming money, so they're trying to do both. I think every league is going to try and do both until that avenue is no longer explorable because the cable business uh, is slowly but surely crumbling. Uh, and then, you know, in other countries in the world, like Sky Sports still want to pay a ton of money for something. Uh, Over-the-air broadcast channels still want to pay a ton of money. But I think this model is going to end up being copied within probably 10 years in a lot of countries in the world. It feels like it also feels like the NBA. I know they, you know, they, they split their, their coverage between a bunch of different channels. But if there was just an NBA app, that would be huge in Europe. Like, you know, and that's the thing about this. Like, I remember being in a bar in, you know, running to a pub in London, be like, oh, I want to catch that match. And they're like, no, it's not on TV anywhere. And it's yeah. like, so I got to go to Manchester to watch this game? It doesn't make yes. any sense, bro. No, it doesn't make any sense. And, like, you, you end up trying to chase a game. And all it does is, all it's actually done is just increased the illegal streaming industry in a lot of countries. Where yep. like instead of like I want to watch the game, so I'm gonna find some website that's gonna give my computer all kinds of viruses. Uh -huh. But I but I do I do get to watch the game, and this way is so much easier. Like it's so much easier to just pay a little bit of money instead of like watching all kinds of ads pop up on your screen. You're going, is this going to ruin my computer's ability to function right. when I'm trying to watch one game? Bro, I mean, look, Premier League could probably collect. 50 bucks from every fan that would be an insane amount of money coming in versus you know kind of doing spotted but then again i mean they're getting billions from from nbc so maybe i don't know what the hell i'm yeah, talking about right you know um because also these networks are also paying on the, what the potential is you know yeah though that we could grow this sport like fam you get me i'm not helping you grow like you got me now you need to go find somebody else you got to do the promotion on your own but i mean it's what mls is doing with apple right i mean it's 
the second biggest company in the world, and it's only because the first biggest company company in the world is an uh, oil company owned by the Saudis. Right. Uh, like, like <laughs> this is essentially the biggest company in the world. And so, like, you would hope that with the infrastructure and 10 years that they'll be able to grow this thing into an even bigger enterprise. Yeah, it feels like it, too. I mean, it's a big commitment financially, so yeah. I'm sure it'll just keep going. Um, obviously, you're a big MLS a viewer at this point, fan probably still. Um, although you have to be unbiased, right? Because you call yeah. a bunch of different games. You know, and, and that's actually something that, I mean, I've, I've worked on national broadcast, particularly for Univision for the last few years. Like, that's something that I'm thinking about. And I'm always curious how to strike that balance because every once in a while I'll be like, oh, I've, I've said a lot about Nashville in these last 10 minutes. Let me, let me crank up the Orlando notes. And I look at my Orlando notes and I start saying them. I was like, well, I've been talking about Orlando a lot. And like the, the accusations of bias are in my head. And sometimes it's like, no, man, just, just talk about what's in front of you. And if it seems to slant one way, then you're not being biased. It's just sort of how the thing is unfolding in front of you and how the information that you've prepared is manifesting itself. Right. Um, I, I did read one note. I occasionally read the comments because I'm a bit of a masochist. I like reading criticism about Bro, myself. Bro, you got to get away from them comments, man. No, but I like it. I like it, Alexis. I, I like reading the like negative comments about myself. For whatever reason, I have like this masochistic enjoyment of it. Uh, so this one guy that was like, God, the commentator would not shut up about Hani Mukhtar the entire time. I'm like, guys, he's the MVP of the league. Right. If, I, if I can't talk up the MVP of the league, what are we doing here? Right. Also, a guy who's not, not like you followed his career this yeah. whole time. It's not like you're talking about Landon Donovan or Christian Pulisic. This is a guy who came from, for a lot of people out of nowhere, shows up to this league and just starts destroying excuse me, destroying it, like, yeah, there's a lot of information in mind about this guy. And actually, actually, like, that path, he was on his way to being, like, a wunderkind in Germany. Like, he Yeah, was wasn't coming... he, like, uh, Hoffenheim? Yeah, he was at Hoffenheim. I think he scored uh, a, like, a goal in uh, under-21s or an under-17s UEFA championship for Germany that won them a tournament and, like, w was on his way, and, and he made a big move to, to Benfica. And then his career kind of took steps down, and all of a sudden he's playing in Denmark. And then comes to MLS, didn't have a good first season. Look at his numbers; are no. like just okay. And then his last two years, I think it's thirty-nine goals and twenty-three assists over two years. Twenty-three goal season, the MVP of the league. Like that's a story worth telling. Then, and, and also he was happening. He was happening to play Orlando, where I think National and Orlando have played nine times, and he has either a goal or an assist in all nine of those games. Perhaps the Orlando fans are not happy to hear that fact re repeated on multiple occasions. Yeah. Particularly so I'm, starting when to, had... I'm starting to side with the guy with the comment because now <laughs> I see, like, you're, if you keep talking about the guy who keeps killing my team, bro, could you stop talking about this guy? <laughs> <laughs> right, and he had a goal and assist in the game. So, uh, you know, you're, you're only, at that point is only being reinforced that extra bit. I don't know. I, right. I, I always struggle with fan biases. I voted for him as the MVP last year, which goes to show just how far MLS has come. Last year, I got to vote for MVP. I, I was just that's a let's a look at me, Louis comment, being able to say that you voted right. for MVP. I vote. I see. I I I voted in. I voted in twenty one, but I didn't vote last year. I don't know what I did to to not be in the in, in oh, the running. Oh, you for got it. bumped. Yeah, I got bumped for you. I, I you took my vote. I hopped in. I was like, bro, I got this. You know, <laughs> same jet black hair. No one will notice. <laughs> no widow's peak. No did, one will notice. Did you vote for all the awards or just yeah, MVP? Yeah. Okay. I, I, mm -hmm. I, I'll be honest. I loved it. I love voting for awards. Do you? I could care less. I did it like really, really quickly. And Christian was like <laughs> stressing about it for like two weeks. I'm like, no, I just, I went I, with I, vibes. I kind of knew who I wanted to be your goalkeeper of the year. I kind of knew who I wanted to be coach of the year. You know, I don't think it was really much of a question for a lot of them. So I just kind of went straight down the list. Who did now, you, who'd, you, who'd you vote for for coach of the year? That was a tough one. I went, I went Jim Curtin. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean best best team. Uh, but like, did did Wilfred Nancy? I don't think Wilfred Nancy won it, right? I think Christian voted for uh, Nance. Yeah, I mean that guy. I I we maybe we can get to him because Columbus have won their last two games ten one. But that the way that his teams play, I love that guy. I have a full on man crush for Wilfred Nancy and his style. Bro, of play. I was like. I, at first, I was like, oh, they just kept the guy that Thierry left behind. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Montreal, so you never really think they made a, an informed decision. You know what I mean? You just assume they made a decision, mm -hmm. you know, up against the clock. But, man, he looked good last year. And now he's got, he's got uh, Columbus playing in a style that I would, I would be willing to say is an advancement on the style that Caleb Porter wanted to play.
Yeah, right. It's it's ultimately what Caleb Porter couldn't get them to do. Right. And it you slightly change the system, but the thing to me in watching them play last year uh, in person in Miami, they played the last game of the season against Miami at home and the way that every single one of their players was sort of like empowered to make decisions with the ball under pressure. They're, you know, players are coming at them and they look so calm and so smooth playing out and all these young players that come through and the way that they work the ball from side to side and find the opportunities when that ultimately, you, you talk to so many coaches over the course of the first few weeks of the year, everyone's saying the same thing. We're just, we just need that little bit of cutting edge in the final third. We just need to you know, find the right cross or the right through ball or the right one-two. Columbus this year and Montreal last year seem to always have those solutions. They yeah. always seem to know how to find, find ways to score goals. Occasionally leaking at the back, occasionally making a few mistakes um, last year. But when you look at the three big players in Montreal sell, Alistair Johnson to Celtic, Georgie Mihalovic to Europe uh, with uh, Azad Alkmaar and Ismail Kone going to Watford, those are all players that were kind of in Johnston and in Mihailovic's case reclaimed from other teams for decent fees but I don't yeah. think anyone saw as like all right these guys are heading to Europe anytime soon no Ma- and then Georgia Mihailovic there was like some flirtation right I think there was like a yeah salon. I mean he's got a passport so they're, but like, nothing they're, no right. one thought like this guy's going to AZ Alkmaar tomorrow right and then you know Kone was another player who came up there was actually a different midfielder who kind of a Rito here I think in Montreal who was getting the shouts to be like the next guy that's going to Europe and then Kone steps up and you watch him go holy hell this guy like you can imagine this guy playing in the center of midfield in Europe and right. again making all those big decisions in the center of the park so I I was full fully in like people ask me who is the team ahead of the season you're most looking forward to for me it was Columbus and the remarkable thing is that they've scored 10 goals these last two games without Cucho Hernandez. Like the, like Which is their DP. Their I DP mean, this center is the guy forward. that came right in to score goals. <laughs> right. And, like, Aiden Morris has stepped up, and Alexandru Matan, who was kind of in the wilderness in his first two years there. Um, it's bizarre uh, how, how much he's able to get out of a, a, a squad of players. Zella Rayan had a lovely backheel flick uh, for, for the first goal for Aiden Morris, who I think is another player that I think could certainly be getting shouts for Europe soon because uh, of his uh, prowess as a young player. I, I love Columbus crew. Full-on man crush on Wilfred Nance. Yeah, I I'm, I will pause a little bit just because it was against RSL and St. Yeah. Louis before again before past them, and now so does Columbus. And also shorthanded Atlanta too. Shorthanded Atlanta too. No, no Almada. Yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah. did they did body Atlanta, but there was no Miles Robinson and no Thiago yeah. Almada. But you start to wonder. I mean, you score ten goals in two games, right? Okay, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. I'm paying attention. But is it just that those two teams sucked? And yo. RSL don't really fill me with a lot of confidence right now. Yeah. Real Salt Lake, they're, I mean, they've done so well in the margins these last few years to at least get into the playoffs that you just sort of rely upon them to do it again. But, I mean, they, they spent some money on Jefferson Savarino, who's a, who's a good player. Um, but you just don't know where those big steps forward are coming from. I, I know that, you know, new ownership came in and they started to take the club a little bit forward, but it hasn't quite been the the smash success that I thought it was going to be for Real Salt Lake. And now a couple of significant hammerings, four nils and back-to-back games, and you're going, all right, you know, what's happening here? In some ways, I wonder when they took over if, I mean, you're, you're bringing through a fairly turbulent transition in terms of going from no owner to an owner, and Pablo Mastroeni guided them very well. But I kind of wonder if not for the fact that the team was playing very well and kind of overachieving, if the, if Pablo Mastroeni would have been their guy. I'm not saying that he should go. I'm just saying I kind of wonder what the big vision for these new owners are is because I don't I don't think we've fully seen it yet. We've seen a few signings, we've seen a few steps forward here and there, but um, I, I don't I'm not certain we've seen that big level. Here's who we're going to be as a club just yet. Yeah, it's one of those. It's also one of those clubs that, like, you know, we sometimes forget they're there. You know, I'm not yeah. gonna lie to you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, they don't really do much. You know, they do show up when it comes time for the playoffs, uh, but you got to get in there first. Seattle's the same way. Seattle's one of those teams that, like, you know, they're gonna show up, but they're gonna get hot at one some point of the season, and you kind of trust them to win. Or even like, sometimes it just comes down to like, what's your thing? Like, the, like we all know what Red Bulls thing is. Like, you right. just know we turn on a Red Bulls game. How it's going to play. It might not be to your liking, but you know what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you turn on even a Portland game. I know, like, I've seen so many games go back and forth, like transition, like it's just pure transitional play, uh, just kind of vibes only kind of game in the Pacific yeah. Northwest. Like, you just sort of know when you turn on certain teams, here's who they are. 
I, I'm not sure I've ever gotten that off of Real Salt Lake, except for very early under Jason Christ when they were, you know, doing well in Champions League. Uh, right. Like that, you knew who they were. Ever since then, they've just kind of been a team that, and and even like for example, like th- they have plenty of promise to bring through young players. That's a they they get a lot of players from Arizona. They spend a lot of money on youth development. They had a very good USL setup. Now, obviously, an MLS Next Pro setup, and you knew that there was some real potential there in, in terms of their ability to, to to bring players through. There hasn't kind of been that big name. Here's our you know standout young player that we've, you know, we sold Brendan Aronson to Europe. We've sold Tyler Adams to Europe. Like we've not, they, they haven't had that either. So just, I'm kind of wondering what's going to be their hook. When I turn on game, it's like, oh, Philly Union have a bunch of young players. And I know that like Quinn Sullivan is next and Jack McGlynn is next and Paxton Aronson is next and Brandon Craig is next. And they have that, you know, high school that they bring players through. And my God, they're just going to keep churning them out. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that is for RSL just yet. No, I think their biggest sale was Rusnak. Yeah. Uh, which is it's not a good thing if they're still in the league, bro. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You got to sell them out of the league. And, I, you know, when you think about MLS being a selling league, you start to think of teams like Philadelphia that are doing an incredible job. They're like a football factory at this point. You know, you think of some of the even, – even teams like, you know, you mentioned before, Montreal found a way to mm-hmm. even be – New England of, found a way. New England of all teams, bro. I mean – these teams are really finding ways to become a part of that wholesaling league. RSL's just been sitting there, bro. They're just getting spanked. They're uh, where? What place are they in? They're in the 11th place right now, currently out of the playoffs. But who cares? It's only the beginning of MLS. But they got to they got to change some stuff around. Sitting below them though, LA Galaxy. Yeah, bro. Was it a handball? Was it not a handball? Should it have been a penalty? I can't tell you. I ju- I like the arguments. But Greg Vanny is having a rough go. It's not good if you're standing up, doing act outs, yelling about the referees <laughs> at your press conference. Some good did not happen here. Well, I mean, he's gone. He was arguing that it's been several weeks of this. Um, I have never been a guy that likes complaining about officiating for any of my teams. I, you know, if if I've complained about a ref a handful of times in my life, that would be too many. Just because I think it's such a it's a lament of a team that ultimately didn't do enough on the day. I mean, if you look at that Galaxy game, Preston Judd has a great chance. He's one-on-one on the goalkeeper. Probably should have scored. Um, Jonathan Klinsman doesn't make a save from Leo Chu's effort that he probably should save. And I can I understand Greg Vanny's point, which is that he, like... Referees are the only people on the field that get a do-over. They get to look at it again. And you look at that handball and knew who's elbows are out I'm, I'm gonna do the demonstration myself I I, yeah. I enjoyed the demonstration so much um but you know what I, I'm, I'm gonna take a slightly different tack than you though because you said that you know it's probably not going well for you I want more I want more managers to do that we need in MLS more press conference moments more teams talking trash to each other publicly I I just I need more you want juicy that TMZ story, like, stuff. Ju- like, ju- like, yeah, juicy yeah. storyline. It's not a little TMZ, world star. But what? No, I don't want world star. I want it to be like, you know, the Premier League. There's always like some big press, like Antonio Conte's press conference. Something like that happens all the time in the Premier League, in big European leagues. It's so high pressure. It's so high stakes. These people lose their minds. And I kind of like that kind of storyline. So whoever, whoever the Galaxy play next, I don't, I don't know what their next, you know, game is, but... I feel it's like against the Houston Dynamo, right away from home, and I, I just sort of feel like that's going to be something. That's going to be a major talking point. It's going to be like, well, Greg Vanny and the media said something about whatever. I, I hope that that sort of thing is encouraged. Every once in a while, you see some trash talk, and then a player like David Ochoa, who's now playing in Mexico, um, you know, is is someone who like came into the league was trash talking straight away, and then the kind of rest of the league kind of clamps down and and kind of shrinks that culture a little bit. I I think. MLS, part of the appeal of major European leagues, major sports leagues, is there's controversy. The NBA has this stuff all the time. People say stuff that gets headlines, and I, I kind of want more of this in MLS. I'm really not happy because, you know, I don't want anyone to struggle, but Greg Vanny doing a full rant where he stands up in a room and is doing a, a demonstration, I thought that was immensely entertaining, a social media content. When I'm flicking through my time, I was like, whoa, what's this? And, like, people were reacting to it. I want more stuff to happen in the league that people react to. Yeah, I think that's a it's a great way to look at it from your perspective because you're like, wow, all the pressure, this and that. But if you're a fan of that team, you're like, 
I kind of don't want my manager yelling or my coach yelling in a press conference because that means things have not gone our way. No one's yelling because you're like, we're winning again, baby. Uh, you know, and LA Galaxy are one of those teams where like, there's a real chance that this season is when they lose Los Angeles. You know what I mean? They are lo not looking like the main team anymore. The vibes are really with LAFC. It'll be a second season. So far as continue to be a second season where they've kind of excelled. They've stolen the headlines. You know, they've got the, they're in downtown. They're not in Hawthorne. You know, there's like a real chance that if Greg Vanny don't get this fixed, if the front office don't get this fixed, if you can't figure out what's going on with the fans protesting, Chris Klein, all this stuff, if you can't get this fixed, bro, you might legitimately lose your spot in this city. I was talking to an LA Galaxy fan uh, who works at Metal Arc and he kind of, I, I, won't, I won't name him because I don't want to out his secret, but he admitted to me, he's like, well, if I wasn't an LA Galaxy fan before, I'd probably be an LAFC fan now. Like, if, if, you, if you're a free agent soccer fan in Los Angeles, they're kind of the only choice for all the reasons that you mentioned. They're immensely successful. Their stadium is awesome. Having been there, that's a great place to go and watch a, a game. Stadium. The atmosphere is incredible. They have incredibly high ambitions. They know what they're doing. They've replaced great players with great players, which is not an easy thing to do in MLS. They've brought through some young talents. I'm kind of curious when the Cifuentes and the Palacios finally make, uh, make moves abroad. They have everything that you'd want out of a great night out at a, at a soccer game. So much so the atmosphere, I think, is at least kind of the foundations and the basis for why Angel City is so successful because everyone looked at seeing a game there and you go, my God, I want to go there again. And it's like, oh, wait, there's a women's team. Let's try and do the exact same thing. Um, not, not to take anything away with, with what Angel City are doing. They're an immensely successful club and yeah. they've been great in their own right. But that, it's sort of like a place where it's like, oh, that's the place to go watch soccer in the city. Yeah, and I, th and I think the more that you know, you, you you take steps away from that and look at the galaxy, they they kind of need a big swing here. They need to go get us. I mean, Chicha, and it's kind of remarkable. They have Chicharito, who in theory is exactly the player you'd want in Los Angeles. You assume that was a slam dunk. Yeah, and and he also has had very good seasons for them. But you need to have good seasons in the midst of competing at the highest level for the highest honors and all the organizational failure that they've had in these last. 10 years, really, since Bruce Arena left, they have not been able to put in place a model of talent identification for one. They brought in a lot of players that have not worked out. Uh, Douglas Costa being the latest, who has just not been a good signing for LA Galaxy. He's a DP player. In theory, has that kind of European profile that should attract that big star attention. He hasn't. And they just have not been able to, cons like, to build out a solid core of a team. I actually think that this roster is pretty decent. I'm kind of surprised at where they are in terms of their positioning in the table. They've dealt with some injuries, but I feel like Ricky Pooch and Gaston Brugman and uh, Dayan Jovalich, they've brought in some good players uh, in these last few years. I think they're ultimately going to be better than where they're sat right now, but I completely agree with you in that I think particularly what's going on at front office level, that's a really difficult thing to square because if it affects your atmosphere, it affects, you know, you're, you're a Galaxy player, you're walking into the stadium, wait a second, why, why are there banners about executives, you know, wanted out and all that stuff? I, I think that's probably been a little bit of a dark cloud that's hung over this early season for them. And not being able to play that opening game against LAFC, that would have been, you know, a huge event for them and a huge kind of start to their year. I think the Galaxy, I think ultimately they'll be okay from a soccer standpoint, but they still have a long ways to go in terms of being all the reliable things that LAFC have proven to be in these last five years. Yeah, and I try my hardest not to overreact. The first 10 games of the MLS season, you know, do they even really matter? You know, it's essentially a preseason when you have a playoff structure. But when you look at a team like LA Galaxy, especially a player you mentioned, Ricky Pouge, who I said, bro, this guy for an entire season – this team is, you know, finally we get to see what he's like with the preseason, this and that. This has been a rough beginning, and it's starting to make me think that maybe Greg Vanny isn't that guy. And if you bring someone else in, which it feels a little too early to say so, but if they had a different coach, maybe there's a possibility this unit works a little bit better and a little bit more harmony. That's possible. I mean, I think Vanny has done enough in his MLS career to sort of merit, like, okay, he knows what he's doing. And Pooch, when he came in last year, I thought – was incredibly effective. That's the surprising thing is that mm -hmm. he was really effective last year when he came into the league. Like that was actually, I, I did a game, they were away at Nashville and I was like sort of drawn to him. I'm sort of meant to like follow the ball and follow what's going on. That's my job. But I just kept watching Ricky Pooch and what he was doing. He was that 
entertaining. And I almost wonder if maybe because of their struggles and because of what's happened, that I think that he might be taking on almost a little bit too much. And that uh, I've, I've read that like he's carried the ball more than anybody else in the league. I know that's part of his skill set, but it hasn't yeah, been good. with purpose. You kind purpose. of want him to, though, no, right? Like if you're the maestro. <laughs> but, it has, but also hasn't been really with purpose. It's not like it's, he's driven them forward. And right. I actually, I, I, I don't know if I want him carrying the ball as much as I want him playing those beautiful passes that he can hit. And right, so right. I wonder if he's sort of taken on like this whole thing runs through me almost a little bit too much. And it's gone to his head in terms of like, no, just just do what you do. Doing what you do in a normal situation is enough. You, you can take a step forward, but it's almost been too much, too big of a step forward in terms of his role in that team. But yeah, I, I think that you're starting to ask questions about why doesn't this work? Why, from a, from a bigger level, this collection of players that in, on paper looks pretty good isn't flowing well right now. Yeah, this is the first episode we've done in a long time that hasn't had a randomly forced in uh, sexual innuendo in the first like 20 minutes this is <laughs> incredible uh you're you're really good at this should I, should I should uh, i do that i feel like your audience probably wants that i mean you're the guy who said no, wait that's an eagle screech well, I, 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 didn't say, I, I didn't say eagle screech <laughs> hold on <laughs> there it is yeah that's you baby i yeah. mean come on if there's like if there's one guy to do it by the way i forgot to say the cooligans, buddy See, I mean, we got the whole thing here, you know. Well, like we're we're introducing the show twenty five minutes in. Well, the show's already been introduced. Oh, okay. uh, I'm pretty sure we did, right? No, we didn't. We didn't pre record, but I will after this. I'm uh, introduce you, but I did bring you in. Um, yeah. And by the way, uh, sorry to break in, but uh, I do want to talk to you a little bit about how I like to relax, and I think it's very obvious how I like to relax after a long day. I pull up a nice, cold, crisp Coors Light. Because, dude, doing this, you got to be on. I got a morning show now. You got to be on the whole time. When I go home, it's been a long day. It's maybe like, you know, early afternoon for you. For me, it's nighttime when I go home. I kick my feet up. At this point, I just want to relax. I want to chill a little bit. And when I want to chill, I grab me a nice, cold, crisp Coors Light because the actual can tells me that it's ready to chill. And when I get home and my wife sees me on the couch in my underwear with my feet up, she knows I'm ready to chill. So I should get a little blue mountain on my forehead that I paste on it so she knows, hey, yo, he's ready to chill because I know the can is ready to go. And that's exactly what I want when I want to relax and just kind of like let go a little bit. You know what I mean? I've been on, on, on. I want something to be on for me. And Coors Light always, always hits the spot. So shouts to Coors Light. Uh, Coors Light is cold log, cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's legitimately, literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect. For any moment to unwind. So uh, mark your calendars for some quality Coors Light. Uh, some quality time with some Coors Light. The beer made to chill. Get Coors Light delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Or going straight to CoorsLight.com slash Cooligans. That's CoorsLight.com slash Cooligans. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Remember the best vacation you've ever taken? Make your next one even better with Get Your Guide. With Get Your Guide, you can book over 100,000 unforgettable experiences in the U.S. and around the world. Want to see the Grand Canyon from a helicopter? They got you. Watching a wrestling match in Mexico City? No problem. Or how about a guided tour of Rome's ancient ruins? Wherever you're going, whatever you're into, book your next travel experience at GetYourGuide.com. You, you mentioned uh, LA Galaxy. Obviously, LAFC, you you also mentioned having an incredible beginning to the season. Uh, is it possible that they can redo this, do this double again? I've always been anti the double in MLS. I've always said if you focus too much on the shield, you're going to be too, you know, hampered going into the playoffs. You've got to catch momentum. You've got to go. It's a second season, the postseason. Yeah, people don't view it that way. It's not an extension of your season. It is a second, well, season. especially now with that first round when you got to play three games early, our best of three. Yeah, well, first of all, what are we doing, bro? It's not the World Cup. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's MLS playoffs. <laughs> I, I mean, for, I mean, I'm I'm kind of curious to see how it works. I th- apparently this has happened before. Um, I I'm a home and home guy. I think I think the home and home format is just fine. You're not a single game elimination guy. I, I've enjoyed it. I, I've, I've enjoyed the single the, the, the single game elimination, but I also kind of understand the thinking that like it just kind of comes and goes, right? Like your your playoffs are over in two weeks. 
Whereas in, you know, the NBA or another, like, playoffs last for two months. I, I think that might be too long. Uh, but I, I understand this, I, this idea. It's like we want our playoffs to sustain and we can build a narrative over a period of time. Yeah, I guess I see your point there. But home and away, you know, the home and home, the two-leg, uh, always there's always somebody parking the bus. It leads to a lot yeah. of boring games. Right. And, 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 and like, even, even with the away goals, yeah, even with the away goals rule, it can, like, you know, and people thought that like going away from the away goals rule would like open up the Champions League, and it hasn't really. You still watch some of those first legs in that round of sixteen. It's like, oh, they're they're just trying to because like for them, even if you don't get an away goal, at the very least, you're going back home, and you're more likely to win that game. And the the, the yeah. second leg is on your turf. So it, I I understand that, and maybe the the three game series where it goes to a penalty shootout too. No one's gonna be playing for a draw, but maybe going maybe the the chance. Hey, if we just do the lottery of going to a penalty shootout and that's how we can get through. If you're the lower seed, it's like, well, this may, this might be our only way to get through is we win two penalty shootouts. And so we're going to hold out for a nil nil. There's almost kind of no way to prevent uh, teams parking the bus. Uh, if, if as long as that is a tactic that is available, they're going to be teams that will do it almost no matter the playoff format. I am interested to see how like a group stage almost would work in a playoff setup. But I do think there there is a way. There's a, certainly a way you can guarantee that teams are going to park the bus, and that's after people saw how Minnesota played St. Louis. <laughs> uh, and yo, Inchi was like, "Bro, we don't want the ball. You can't press us if you're the ones with the ball." Yes, and that was kind of a masterstroke. Yeah, it, it's it's a uh, tribute to English pragmatism. Yes, is is, is, is what I was like. You know what? Brexit ball worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. You know what? You know, my genuine theory on that is the first five teams that played St. Louis, uh, yeah, you, you, you do the tactics and, and you look at St. Louis's system and you go, yeah, we know they're going to press us. We know they're going to play this system and, and all that. But I think you still look at it on the schedule as it's an expansion team. That's three right. points. And I think the first five teams all made that mistake and were like, well, it's an expansion team. We'll just, well, they're not better than us. And then... Adrian Heath, like, was the first team, is the first manager to respect them and respect what they do. And it's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe in, an, maybe in a kind of, if, if you frame it this way, that we're going against an expansion team and we're going to play against the ball. We're going to have as little of it as possible. You go, that's kind of embarrassing. Like, you know, you're, you're a team that's been in the league for a long time. You shouldn't have to do that against an expansion team. But that's only kind of like the pretense. The pretense, it's, it's not really important or relevant in this case. In Adrian Heath's case, it's like, how do I win the game? And yeah. against these pressing teams... Especially because he's about to get fired. He's like, bro, I need them points, man. <laughs> right. I need a win. Like, yeah. I, don't have, I don't have my number 10 that's created so much in these last few years. They actually have gotten off to a really good start uh, without Emmanuel Reno. So their results have been good this year. Uh, but it, it's sort of like, you know, and I think Gary Smith in Nashville is the same way. I saw a stat, and I, I've, just, I've had Nashville a lot this season, so they're on the mind. Uh, and I saw that they have uh, the fewest giveaways within their first 40 meters, like from their own goal to the first 40 meters of the pitch. They gave the ball away 15 times. This thing before they played, uh, who did they play two weeks ago? I, I, I forget. But like it, they gave the ball away 15 times and zero of them led the shots. So it's like if we're going to lose, it's because you took the ball from your end and ran it all the way into our end. Right. We're not giving you the mistakes that are going to allow you to beat us. And that's kind of like the, the starting point. Now, that leads to, you know, pumping a bunch of long balls. It's not the most entertaining thing in the world. But if your pragmatist mind is, how do we win? Minnesota just decided, this is how we win. It's hilarious that you prepare way different than I prepare. Uh, first off, <laughs> you have, like, real data. 40 meters, bro. I'd have to Google <laughs> meters. I only know that because that's like, I only know that that's how Opta tweeted it out. It's not because, like, I'm, like, I, I, don't, I don't have my ruler out getting, uh, getting the 40 meters of the pitch uh, yeah. ironed out. I, I don't believe it, Witty. You're out there doing toe-heel, toe toe-heel, uh, trying to figure out what 40 meters is, bro. I did that only once uh, with the uh, NYCFC radio announcer to figure out how wide the pitch was at City Field. We actually did. It's heel the to same toe, as White Hart toe. Lane was. So <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Uh, we and and the funny thing was in uh, it, like we did the walk. It's like see, it's it's regulation, and then you watch it on TV. It's like it just it can't be. How can I that think be it's regulation? Because of the camera angles. That's fair. I, in that baseball stadium, make it look so small. 
but it is regulation. Now, what I have heard from some players is for some games, the side, the lines aren't exactly the straightest. <laughs> you know? uh, the angles aren't all 90 or 45, yeah. or whatever they're supposed to I, be. My, my favorite was when uh, Michael Davies of Men and Blazers used to call Yankee Stadium the rumbus. The what? The, the, the rhombus. They don't play on a rectangle. They play on a, on a rhombus. Oh, that sounds like something they'd say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no love lost there. Uh, but enjoy doing more of our content if you'd like. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> those guys are watching. Um, when I was, you know, the conversation with St. Louis, though, is are they real? Or are they not? And, of course, by the time they get to their first loss, you have people saying, see, told you, I told you they're not real. The question for I have for you is, and again, you've proven you do the research, so you're probably the right guy to ask. Because uh, if it was just me and Christian, we literally would just be trying to be funny and not actually have a conversation. But you <laughs> actually know this information, so I can ask. Now that we know that they've slipped up, are still, are they real? What we saw in those first few matches, is that who they really are? Um, I, it's, hard, it's just so hard to know. Like Again, if every team for the rest of the year comes up against them and is like, we understand who this opposition are, I think they'll kind of be like New York Red Bulls are. Uh, they're they're a slightly tamer version of New York Red Bulls. They play a little bit more with the ball, um, and certainly from an individual standpoint, there are players in that team, like Joel Klaus in particular, uh, who I think understand or like have ta- have taken the step forward, have made the leap from another league into MLS and know how to play in this league. But I imagine they're going to go through a swoon where they. Probably don't win five or six games for a period of games because other teams will have figured them out. They kind of have caught everybody flat-footed because expansion teams, uh, quite a few of them, have been very easy to play against. They don't have a very defined style of play, whereas these guys, because they had a whole another year to prepare because of COVID, because from the top down, they built to an identity, they kind of knew who they were going to be. But is every coach going to be as pragmatic going against them? Because if they aren't, then they're going to they're pick some teams off. They're going to beat some teams that maybe you, 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 you don't expect to. But to me, the thing with like Red Bull ball is I think New York Red Bulls themselves are kind of experiencing this season. Yeah, there are moments where they can dominate games, but you kind of know the model now. It's you knock it over them and then dare them to beat you, and they take too many risks in terms of how they play forward passes. And so they're just knocking the ball into space. The games aren't really that entertaining because there's not a ton of chances created. And I think teams now in MLS know how to play against teams that press that hard and that intensely. And you just kind of have to follow a model. It might not be pretty, but at the very least, you're not going to you know, be on the wrong end of a 4-0 hammering like RSL were. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sucks to watch somebody play like that kind of that kind of soccer. It's just boring. And I hate, dude, whenever a goal kick doesn't go to a defender, I hate it. I hate really? it so much. I, oh, I, I've, I have so many people in my life that are like, why why are they playing in their own box? Like the, the number of people that I know that's like, get just get it out of there. Oh, what senior citizen home are you hanging out in, Witty? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, I, the, 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 playing for, the playing out of the back revolution has not reached everybody that I know. Bro, that's crazy. I, I can't. I even even when I was younger, I would watch like, you know, like staples, like, you know, what uh, Brad Friedel or someone in like the Premier League. I'm like, bro, this is we're so smart everywhere else. And this is just a chance. Right. Let's hope we get it. That makes no sense. No, I'm, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. Like you have to not only be in position to win the initial ball, which you, 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 in theory, the goalkeeper can hit it 60 yards into one place, but that doesn't always happen. So you got to no. run and get there. And then you have to be in the right shape to win the second ball because you're very often not taking it down with your feet. You're heading it somewhere and somebody else has got to be there to receive it. I'm, I'm a hundred percent. I'm, I'm the complete opposite for me. Teams that play out of the back and play short are doing it right now. You can see where it goes wrong on a few occasions. And I think that ultimately remains the criticism when it goes wrong. It looks so bad. But nobody ever talks about when you launch it and then eight passes later, it's in the back of your net. That's also not effective either. Right. And I, look, and maybe there's a way to do both. Maybe that you could give it to your, you know, to your left back or your right back. Uh, and as they run forward, they see someone making a run and they launch it forward. Sure. That to me is a smarter play than everyone on the pitch standing near the center circle and waiting for the ball to get yeah. there. Right. And like, and everyone's within like, kind of like a, like a 20 yard distance. Yeah, and like, and you see that a lot. I, I, I once went to a game in England in the National League, uh, which was the the Good fifth God. tier. Uh, Would you go late, to Forest Green Rovers? No, Leighton Orient. I went to. Oh, Leighton Orient, who, are, who yeah. are now top of League Two. They're going to be in League One before long. Uh, and like 
literally the game, when, whenever a goal kick was taken, everyone was bunched up within like 15 yards of each other. And beyond that, like they also don't believe in playing with width at that level yeah. either. So everyone's kind of compact into this tiny rectangle where 20 humans are trying to win the same ball. And it it's makes just, no it, sense. No, it's terrible. It's stupid. And I'm glad that we as a league, MLS has kind of advanced past that a little bit, yeah. which is kind of great. Well, I guess like there, I, MLS sort of has a diversity of thought that a lot of leagues don't have where you kind of know, all right, the pressing teams like Montreal now is a pressing team. The Red Bulls are a pressing team. St. Louis are now a pressing team. All right, so we have those. And, like, the, you know, LA Galaxy are a possession team. Columbus are a possession team. You kind of know based off, all right, oh, this is what they do. You have, like, all the, the Burhalter acolytes in, in Austin and in Dallas. Right. They play the Burhalter way. Like, there, there's so many different kinds of game that you'll see in, in the league, and I think that kind of is what makes it interesting is that no matter the matchup, there's sort of a different way of going about doing it. You brought a Burhalter, and I, I was going to, there's, there's more that I want to talk to you about, but you brought a Burhalter. I'm interested. What are your thoughts on the U.S. men's national team search, quote unquote, for a manager? Do you think he still has a shot? Should he be the manager? I, I, think, I think he does have a shot um, just because of the fact that they've been so outward about not saying that he doesn't have a shot right. makes me think that he still has a shot. I, for me, the thing has always been what pool are the U.S. swimming in? Because. For me, if you're kind of in the mold of like, well, you know, Berhalter has done a good job, and I, I think he has. Like, I, if he came back, I'm like one of the three people on the planet that would be okay with it because I, 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 a lot of my friends, everyone thinks that the national team coach is a disaster. For as long, we could hire Antonio Conte to be the next manager, and within six months, there will be a contingent of people that want him gone. There is no satisfying national team fans. I, I would argue of almost any country. There's just something about the position of national team manager. Everyone hates you. But yeah. I, I just don't know. It's like, all right, if, if the U.S. decided, you know what, we have a really promising young coach coming through in Jim Curtin in Philadelphia. He's done this and he's done that. And this is what's on his CV. There's just going to be, there's going to be people that think we should aim higher. And if you do aim higher, what's available to you? Like, I honestly don't know what the cross-section is of people that would be interested in the job versus how high in the game that goes. And so I don't know if like if you went for Antonio Conte right now because he's available, would he would he have any interest in this job? Like Jose Mourinho was floated out for a day and like some of my friends are big Jose guys. I'm not. I don't I, don't, I I'm he, not a Jose guy. I hate Jose with the intensity of a thousand suns. Uh so like I, I'm not that's not but like would Jose even want to do this? And so what even what even is a realistic candidate? And I presume they're sounding everyone out, but like I I don't even know if I mean, last time, remember, Tata Martino did an interview for the job, and Julian Lopetegui, late in the process, was like, hey, I'd be interested in the U.S. job. He had just gotten fired from Real Madrid. So I just don't know how attractive this job is in real terms. Um, the, like the, the, the Berhalter stuff, again, I think he did a fine job. He won the Nations League. He won the Gold Cup. Beat Mexico three times in a year. Qualified, uh, qualified us for the World Cup. I liked how we played at the World Cup. Like, in terms of style of play, I think even still, the U.S. was top two or three in, like, running done per game. The intensity was great. The quality of the play was great. I enjoyed the U.S. at the World Cup. They didn't embarrass us. It was a huge step forward. And so I wouldn't be entirely opposed to Greg Berhalter staying on. But I kind of I want to see what's out there. I want to know if we can get some of the biggest you know, managers in the world, if that, you know, some big name that I'm, I'm, I'm unaware of right now would be interested in the U.S. job. Yeah, I mean, Bielsa said no to Mexico. Yeah. That's a real shot. You know, would you be happy with Bielsa? As well, the I think he's he linked with the Uruguay job now. He is linked with Uruguay. Yeah. I don't think that's official yet, though. No, it's not. But I've, I've, I've you know, I mean, Bielsa would be kind of insane. I... Like in no. any in every way, he'd be insane in a supermarket. You know what I mean? <laughs> Never mind as the manager of your national team, right? But I I kind of like I I feel like it's kind of insane that he got his start in the international game. I can't think of a person more ill suited to international management than Marcelo Bielsa. First of all, the last thing I want my international coach or manager to have is a very very specific defined system that's difficult to learn. Correct. It's like, these guys are going to go to their club teams. How do you expect them to keep this up? Right, exactly. Like, like, like two, like two months in between is like, oh yeah, I gotta follow a man now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and and I imagine like for all these Leeds players, it's been really tough to like undo their wiring. They're like, they're just like chasing. They're like dogs chasing a ball, 
And then it's all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wait, I have to stay in a position? What does that mean? Now I have to, like, what do you mean spacing? I'm Space? on top of the guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I remember back when Burhalter started, people said that his style was too confusing. So this was my plan. Mm-hmm. Get a, a version of the FIFA video game to each of the national team players that was locked where they can only play as themselves in the Burhalter system. So very quickly, right. you'll learn the Burhalter system. I like that. If you're locked. Thank you. you Burhalter know, you told me it was a stupid idea, but you like it. <laughs> no, it's a great You know why? Because like when you play particularly like an individual mode in FIFA, it'll tell you like with the red or green arrows. Like mm-hmm. I, I haven't played the individual mode in a long time. I don't know if it's still like this, but like it'll tell you with like red or green arrows, like you're not where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And so if you like signal to play, if you sort of train players so much with like, here's where you're supposed to be. Here's what you're supposed to do. Uh, I, I, I feel like that could work. I like that idea. I'm pretty sure the last time they had that was like FIFA 16. But really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've, I've, I, I only, I'm a strictly manager mode and online mode only. Really? You feel like a you sound like a football manager kind of guy to me. Um, that I don't like video games that are too involved. That's too involved. That is, yeah. Where it's like like I gotta I gotta like set my tactics for every set piece. Like it's just it just seems it's too much. It's it's too much. It's too. It's one of those that takes it takes too long to really get going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and and the other thing, like when I'm playing FIFA and when I'm playing any video, I like simplicity in my video games. So like I I enjoy like all right like. You know, my brother's a big football manager guy, so he'd make fun of me like, oh, the transfers aren't realistic in FIFA. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I have $260 million, I'm Real Madrid, and I want to buy, you know, uh, Lionel Messi from Barcelona. And yeah, it's not realistic that, Le- that Barcelona would sell me Lionel Messi, but I want him on my team, and I'm right. going to pay $200 million, and I don't care that that wouldn't happen in real life. I just want to do it. Can I do it? Oh, so what kind of a masochist are you that... You want to lose negotiations in video games. Like, why, what's the point? <laughs> Bro. But you know what? That's true. Everyone's, you, know, you know what's the worst thing in FIFA? When you propose a transfer and they accept it the first time. I'm like, oh, no. I overpaid. Yeah. I overpaid. Can I, can I reject the transfer now? Can we start over? Can I unplug the system? If I shut this down, <laughs> will this kick back up? <laughs> did, did this save this already? Yeah. No, it's like, Phew, oh, I overshot that one. I know it's I know it's early in the season, but do you have obviously? I mean, my first thought is Joseph Martinez. Who's your biggest underperformer so far in MLS this season? Underperformer. Um, that's a really good question. I'm I'm just kind of I'm looking towards like the bottom of the league table for for both teams. Um, it could be an individual player on a team. Yeah, I mean, I think Christian Benteke might not be a bad shot. I know he I, he jumped in the league last year, but if DC were going to be like good, good, they need Christian Benteke to like take a pretty big step forward and be a 20 to 25 goal scorer. And I'm pretty certain he could be in this league. I think in the overall, I'm probably looking at Portland. Um, they just seem like a team that, you know, with like Evander might be in that running. I know he's injured, but like Evander for the money that they spent, I was like, I was really yeah. excited to watch their first game. It was one of the few. Uh, MLS games has kind of been separate from the big Saturday night window because uh, I think they were playing on a Monday night due to weather. I was like, Evander, let's go. Uh, and that's been one that just hasn't quite come off. And you just sort of imagine with like nine, like nine and a half million feels like the kind of transfer fee in MLS where it's like, I'm getting a guaranteed great player, like 10 goals. Yeah, 10 you better assists, be good. Like, right, like he better be amazing. And it just sort of hasn't been. And he is going to go through the same curve that all these new introductions into MLS deal with, which is it takes a second and like that happens to a lot of new players that come into the league, but you just sort of feel like certain players could be above it. And I thought that he would be, I think just Portland in the overall had that bizarre situation with the goalkeeper who kind of came out and said, if anyone says I'm not healthy, they're lying. And then he starts the next week just kind of feels. And then it, I mean, obviously everything that, that kind of spills over from last year and everything that happened off the field with Portland just feels like a club that like, I was a lot more kind of, I don't want to say optimistic, but sort of like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I, I would turn on a Portland game and go, whoa, look at this crowd. Look at this team. It looks like such a cool like vibe to be a part of, and I just feel like they've taken a little bit of a step back from that. Yeah, I would agree. For me, it might be LA Galaxy and Ricky Pouge, yeah. just because I was so excited for what this beginning of the season would bring, and uh, I thought the same guy we saw for a, little bit of a, for a little bit of last season would show up, and they just haven't, and I really do think they're really a danger of losing out. Uh Overperformer or you know uh, overachiever. Uh, I mean, obviously, as a team, you start with St. Louis. Uh, yeah. That like that's an obvious one. And I think 
again, they spend a ton of money. It's not that surprising. But Denny Boanga, compared to how he started his life in LAFC, again, great in the playoffs last year. It's not a surprise that he's kicked on. But last year, he got a bunch of chances, didn't finish, didn't finish any, any of them, excuse me. And, like, you just sort of think that it would be a step forward. But LAFC always seemed to find prolific goal scoring from somewhere. Where you just sort of know that by the end of the year, they're going to be on 60, 65 70 goals at the end of the year. It's like, well, where did that come from? And Denny Boanga is the reason why. He's an MVP candidate, and it's no surprise. I think Jordan Morris definitely deserves That's a That's who here. I was going to pick. Yeah. Jordan Morris is a shock. Dude, what a number nine. Right. Well, that's an interesting thing now because they brought Raul, Raul Rui Diaz off the bench because he was coming back from international duty. But I kind of, if, if I'm Jordan Morris, remember when he was at Stanford, he was a center forward, and they moved him to be a wide player because that also somewhat suited his skill set. I kind of wonder if all along he was a center forward. You watch not just that he scored four goals against Sporting Kansas City, but the manner in which he scored them, the runs, the curving one way, bending the other. He looked like he was at home. He looked like he was natural, an instinctual number nine. And I kind of wonder if he's been a number nine this whole time, but Seattle have always had good strikers, and so you've never... You wanted to find a different role for Jordan Morris, and he's succeeded as a wide player. But I kind of wonder if deep down that instinctual wiring as a center forward is there. I don't know if we're going to get to see it. I wonder if like pressure will be on Raul Ruiz Diaz at any point where it's like, hey, if you don't start putting goals away, then Jordan Morris is going to take your job. I mean, that would be kind of shocking uh, given Ruiz Diaz's pedigree, not only uh, in helping them win the Champions League, but just sort of in general. He's a great player. Um, but Jordan Morris, the way that he sort of bends his runs and, and finishes goals – He's got, he had several tap-ins in the two games against the Galaxy and against Sporting, and you sort of wonder if that's who he is as a player. Dude, it might, he, might, he might get a shot at playing the number nine for the men's national team again, uh, being back. I mean, I think it's far-fetched. I feel like, I mean, we talked earlier about Berhalter being unpopular. Like, Jordan Morris, not exactly the most popular guy with the U.S. fan base. No, not at all. And, like, if all of a sudden it's like, hey, guys, here's our idea. We've been hyping up uh, Pepe and Pifuck and, and Balogun. Uh, going for Balogun now. <laughs> and Daryl DK, and all these center forwards. And at the end of all that, we found the answer. It's Jordan Morris. Right, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't feel like fans will take too kindly, although I feel like fans have been way too hard, harsh Yeah, they've been Morris. super hard. But that, the yeah. only thing worse that they could do is then bring back, like, Michael Bradley. You know right, what I mean? yeah. No, <laughs> like, like, after all this, we've turned to Josie Altador. Yeah, yeah. Please, no. Uh, <laughs> although, hey, I'm a fan, Josie. Um, I, I am too, by the way. Like, I think the U.S. fan, the, the US fan base is sort of, like, wants us to be Brazil. And I get it, but there's steps to being Brazil. You got you to, gotta like, walk before you can run in being Brazil. And I understand it, but, you know, have, like, some reasonable level of expectation. Understand these players do offer enormous traits that if you watch them week in, week out for their clubs, you could understand. Like, Jordan Morris is not a zero of a player. That's ridiculously harsh. But there's people that just like, ah, not good enough. Yeah, and I get whatever. it. I, I understand. I understand that, like... Yeah, he is not Cristiano Ronaldo. Gotcha. Right. But that doesn't mean that he's useless. Right. I think ever since he turned down the Verde Bremen thing, it's been yeah really tough for him to win over the uh, American fans ever since then. And we were harsh on him here, you know, yeah. on this show, uh, because you're like, come on, somebody wants an American player. Yeah. You got to go. Well, and, and, and well, I mean, at that time, it was sort of like anyone yeah. who can go, you have to go because yeah. like you, you, there's a possibility you're carrying the flag for the entire nation in Europe. That's exactly what it was. Right. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. You're an ambassador now. You're a yes. diplomat. Get your ass out there. But that's, that's a lot to place upon somebody, isn't it? What? No. <laughs> These are athletes. But like if, if Jordan Morris, I want to make, you know, a million and a half playing in my hometown. Like, can you really fault him? Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I get it. I get yeah. it. And I, you know, I've spoken to him about it and he was like, hey, my decision was my decision. And it's probably what worked best for him. And you'd hate to see someone stretch themselves to go do something that they don't eventually want that really wasn't in there. But then, you know, you start to get the, the oh, if it's because, you know, he, he and again, I'm not saying this, but people were saying it's because he lives a comfortable life that he doesn't have to go do that. And players in other countries have to go do that. There was just so much that got brought up that he has he has become the bottleneck of that funnel of all the shit that people thought Americans couldn't do in Europe. Yeah, it, it all got placed on him. And now when you're seeing him, that's why he's my overachiever is you just see this guy vibing and thriving in this position that we all forgot he could play and yeah. you're like damn 
where we, you know, of course, you know, cardamom doesn't work in Italian food, but we should have been having <laughs> Indian food this entire time, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, as a wide player, he's been good. He's been a really good MLS player as a wide player. He's been clearly a national team level, not quite starter, but replacement player, bench player as a wide player. But maybe yeah. his potential is where Jurgen Klinsmann started him as a player from Stanford all those years ago as a center forward. I think, if I remember, if I remember correctly, he played on a terrible uh, laid-over turf pitch in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio and might have scored a goal. I forget against who. Uh, playing as a center forward for the U.S. So maybe all along he was just playing in the wrong position and another team besides Werder Bremen would have come in for him. Right. I still forget Jurgen Klinsmann brought in all these guys that were in MLS guys. Like he brought in him, uh, Ibarra, Miguel Ibarra. Yes. Uh, Christian when he was Ramirez. still in the NASL. Yeah, NASL days. And we were like, wait, is there talent outside of MLS? <laughs> this kid's from college. He's looking good. These guys are from NASL. Yeah. Yeah. Wild times, dude. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time spending with us. Uh, look, you mentioned a little bit up top, but remind people where they could follow you. Some of the uh, yeah. some of the fans, they probably want to keep uh, you know touching base with you. Where would people go? Well, definitely, if you listen to this podcast because you're an MLS fan, subscribe to MLS Season Pass uh, and 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 get all the games. It's been a really fun watch so far this season. So definitely get MLS Season Pass. I'll uh, be doing the games as I said. I'll be on Cincinnati, Philadelphia this weekend with Lori Lindsay. Enjoying traveling all the country. Got a few cool cities along the way. Been to uh, California. I haven't been in the Bay Area in a long time, so it was uh, cool to hang out there. Uh, and uh, yeah, Inter Miami show, which is also in the uh, Inter Miami room on Apple on MLS Season Pass and Apple TV. So if you just click to the Inter Miami section. I'll be hanging out there with uh, the Arsenal great Kieran Gibbs. So. Uh, those are the two main places. And uh, Alexis, thank you for having me, man. Of I'm sorry. Course. I feel like you were saying earlier, you know, with Christian, we would have made like 100 jokes by now. I feel like I, I'm sorry that I kind of killed the vibe of this pod. Oh, no, you didn't. But no, please, this is the first time our audience has learned anything you know what I mean? <laughs> besides like street culture. You know, no, this is why we wanted you on the show. You actually present us with real facts. <laughs> and uh, and congrats on everything that you're doing, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, the new Galazzo channel and uh, you cracking jokes uh, very early in the morning. Yeah, dumb early in the morning. And uh, we launch on April 11th. So if you're if you're not busy in the morning, put on uh, pa uh, Paramount Plus and check it out uh, again. Uh, the morning footy on uh, on the Galasso Network. Uh, thank you so much, Chris. Thank you so much, Witty. We're going to miss you at Metal Arc, but of course, we'll follow you along all, all the time on a season pass. Uh, for everyone listening, um, thank you so much for riding with us this week. I know you expected a live episode today. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't do that, but hopefully you enjoyed this. Uh, make sure you hit the comment button, the subscribe button, whatever else you're supposed to do. Uh, thank you so much for uh, DraftKings and Coors Light and everyone else. Um, love you guys. Enjoy. <laughs>